Live from downtown Boogertown, it's Three Hillbillies on a Couch with your hosts, Boo Boo, Biggins, and Buford, three of the hillbillies in the holler. Y'all pull up a chair and set a spell. And welcome back to glorious downtown Boogertown. I'm Buford. I'm Boo Boo. And welcome back to an episode of Three Hillbillies on a Couch. But today... It's two hillbillies on the couch and one on the phone because Biggins is working. He only the, gets one phone call. Yeah, he's he's working in the plate factory and he only gets one phone call. But uh, anyway, we're <laughs> we're going to be having a special guest over the phone today. We've been wanting to get him on here for a long time. A long time. And uh, we finally got it worked out where we could. Now, as many of y'all know, <laughs> we make us uh, a good living on the Redneck Comedy Bus Tour here in the Great Smoky Mountains. However... This is not the origin of the Redneck Comedy Bus Tour. It actually started in Nashville 16-plus years ago. And uh, we've got one of our brother tour guides from the Nashville market on the phone with us today, Steve Buckshot Hall. Welcome, What's going Buckshot. on, gentlemen? Good afternoon to you. What's up, Buckshot? Man, I'm just here in Nashville trying to shovel out. We're... Uh... We got about eighth of an inch, so got, I thought it was going to get up so high I wouldn't be able to put tire air in my tire. But yeah, our friends up we're north doing are good. Laughing. Kind of sunshine today. Our friends up north are laughing at us. You got an eighth of an inch, and that's an issue. Well, yeah, down here it is. <laughs> Son, I'm gonna tell you what. I lived in San Antonio when I was a kid, and and we got a we got a half an inch, and society went into shutdown. Oh yeah, people were yep. on the roofs of their houses writing to help us in the snow for the news helicopters. <laughs> yeah, I went to elementary school up in Minnesota. That's where I, that's where I was born, and we'll talk about it a little bit later. But they, uh, we had shovels that were on the buses, so if the bus got stuck, everybody just shoveled out and we moved on. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Talk to you, and that's what people go. Well, wait a minute. He's from Minnesota. He ain't no redneck. Shoot, there's rednecks yeah. everywhere. There is, and that, yes. that, that's proof positive right there. All right, kids, grab your shovel. Y'all didn't think nothing of it; just jumped out there with the shovel. <laughs> yeah, that's I, how you did it. I love it. It's awesome, <laughs> especially if you threw a chain off the tire. Yeah, then you, then you definitely had the shovel. So, <laughs> get yeah. out there and get the shovel, and boy, we got to get that chain hooked back up. Oh, <laughs> that's it. That's Minnesota. That is great. Well, so you are a uh, comedian. How long have you been with the Redneck Comedy Bus Tour? Man, I can tell you an exact date. I started uh, Veterans Day, 2019. Okay. And uh, I have been, they, I've tried to quit and get fired, but they, they keep me around. So uh, I've been blessed to do it. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. And it's crazy because obviously coming up uh, Veterans Day 2022 is going to be three years for me. But Man, it, it's, it's, I've just been having so much fun with it. And, uh, it just seems like time's flying by. I don't know if that's good or bad, but that's, that's when, I, that's when I kicked it into gear, Veterans Day 2019. That's funny you say that. Megan's has tried to get fired several times too, but so far he's just keeps hanging in there. <laughs> no, yeah. to his credit, he's been fired a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I bet he has. That's, yeah, yeah, not by not by the Redneck Comedy Bus Tour, but in the past, yes. Oh, in the past, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> Overall, his career, yeah, career wide, he's got a pretty good record. So, when, how long ago did you start doing stand up comedy? Well, uh, of course, I, I got when I was uh, first of all before I did comedy. I actually, when I was eighteen, I was training to be a professional wrestler and started wrestling here in Nashville when I was eighteen. That's 
And uh, by the time I was 21, I was the NWA Rookie of the Year. And um, I got to wrestle for WCW and WWE and a couple of – I was the guy that was already in the ring when they came back from commercial break. Sure. But I got to see all those things and travel around. And then uh, uh, in 2001, I believe it was, I jumped down to a – I was on top of the um, – I was in the corner, climbed up to the top rope and jumped down to the floor and busted both bones in my right leg. And uh, tore my foot and my ankle completely out of socket. So, ouch! Oh, yeah, I, was I think I'll leave that to right the other guy. Anyways, ouch was the word uh, that came to my mind. Yeah, had he so gotten then, to the uh, ring with I you thought, yet? I'd done all the physical damage I could do to myself. Uh, so I thought, well, emotionally, let me see if I can torture myself a little bit. So <laughs> uh, I went to uh, Rick Roberts was having a little comedy class down at Zany's, and I signed up for it. And uh, which is any any, it's a fabulous. If there's anybody in Nashville that's ever wants to get into comedy or just know a little bit of public speaking or whatever. I just gave him a plug. But anyways, I went and I had uh, two or three and he said, man, he goes, you're pretty good. You know? And I, and I said, well, in all fairness, uh, you know, I'm second generation comedian. So I kind of got to, you know, it's kind of in my blood and I did a couple open mics and I fell in love with it. And uh, then I had a little girl, I had two daughters and I met my second wife, I had a third little girl. So life kind of happened. So I started doing the jobs that, you know, looked good on paper. I was I was an EMT, and then I got into selling real estate, selling cars, which that one really looked good on paper. But and uh, I just wasn't happy. And then I got a call from Leslie, little little girl on the bus, uh, Georgette Nash. She called me and said, "Hey, you think you might be interested in this? They want you to ride around on a bus and tell jokes for two hours. You think you can do that?" I said, "That's what got me kicked out of ninth grade. I think you have found your cat." So. <laughs> uh, I joined up with them and, uh, it has been, I turned 43 this year and in 43 years, this has been the absolute most, uh, this is where I'm supposed to be moment in my life. So absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, and that, that is true for so many of us in the comedy business. The very thing that got us in trouble, uh, was the thing that, uh, ended up making our living. My good friend, uh, Bob Nelson, uh, who had big success in the seventies and eighties and into the nineties. Um, he used to do a, a bit and he did it on his HBO special where he's pretending to be a sea turtle and it's this yeah. goofy little thing. And he goes, he goes, I'm glad you guys are laughing because in the ninth grade, this got me kicked out of science class. He said, the teacher <laughs> said, Mr. Nelson, where do you think that's going to take you after graduation? I said, HBO. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, the very stuff that, that used to get us in trouble is exactly, they just, you know, and even today, they, they know more about teaching to a kid's strengths, but then yeah. they had no idea. And they certainly weren't trying to make new comedians. Well, then they paddled it out of you. Absolutely. Yeah. I tell everybody on the bus, I said, I told my dad when I was a little boy, I'm going to be a big comedian with my own tour bus. And here I am on the Red Lake Comedy Tour bus. Camouflage. And at 340 pounds, I'm probably the biggest comedian in Nashville. There you go. Well, I uh, um, yeah, I actually got to live this joke out once. It's an old, old joke in the business, but it's true. You know, I also work as a ventriloquist, and I was performing one night, and this little boy walked up to me after the show, and he said, Sir, I want to grow up and be a ventriloquist. And I said, Son, you can't do both. <laughs> I like it. That's true. That's the truth. I like it. Some yeah, you can't grow up. Grow, growing up is it's overrated. And we saw where you now you mentioned that you took that class at Zany's, but we saw online where you recently have been performing at Zany's. 
Yeah, I was. Uh, I got a chance to do Zanies uh, May seventeenth, I believe it was, or May eleventh, May seventeenth, and then uh, uh, I contacted Zanies, and um, I was supposed to do the thirty first of this month. And uh, Theo Vaughn, who's an absolute, he's blowing up right now as a comedian. They gave him the Monday spot, uh, rightfully so. So I'm going to be on the seventh of January, or uh, no, seventh of February. February. I'll be at Zanies again, but. Um, Awesome. Yeah, that's 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 a really that's a real treat, man, to sit in that green room and you know, there's a couple places I grew up where just sitting there, um I, I grew up backstage at the Opry and that's just got that vibe that's like no other. There's not even a close second. Yeah, and for those uh, who don't know, uh for folks who are not from here in the in the southeast, Zanies is a is the comedy club in Nashville, but it's also it's part of a small chain because there's one in Chicago as well. But it's yep. it's a pretty big deal. It's a bucket list for any yeah com- big time comedian. Any comedian there. that come out of the southeast, anyway, Zanies is one of the that's a crown jewel right there. I I performed there once in college on an open mic night, so it doesn't really count. They never paid me to be there, but I have been on that stage. But even just to have been on that stage was an amazing thing. Yeah, well, yeah, and and yeah, open mic. But to me, um, any I mean. If, if somebody said, hey, we're having an open mic at the Opry, you still stood on the stage, you still did comedy, <laughs> and right. uh, it's a cool spot. I, nice. I know you know that from being there. Absolutely. That is great, man. So You uh, know what I thought when you guys called me and said, hey, do you think you'd want to do this podcast? I told my wife, she goes, isn't that exciting? I said, I kind of think that maybe they've run out of people to ask. They're just <laughs> scra- scraping the bottom of the barrel at this point. <laughs> not even close, brother. we got two it's more hard, after it's hard you. It's to find good people, see? <laughs> Do what? I said it's not as easy as you thought it was to find good guests. Oh no no no! We've got we we're not even near the bottom of the barrel. We still got two more people after you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. As long as I'm up by the handle somewhere, I'll be all right. You're, yeah, you're good. <laughs> That's funny. Now, yeah, I did not know this about your wrestling background. You're gonna have to head up to the Smokies one weekend, hang out with us and uh, the great Ron Fuller. He lives over here in Cosby. We're doing some stuff with him. You you're, know who that is? The Tennessee Stud. Yes, the Tennessee Stud, hundred percent. I'd love to come up there and see you guys. Yeah, he's over the hill. We're going to be filming some stuff with him, and uh, that'd be cool. If you could hang out and spend a day with him. He's a wonderful human being. And then uh, towards yeah. the end of the fall, we got uh, buddy of mine, Greg the Hammer, going to come hang out. And by the way, oh, when wow. he says that that uh, Ron Fuller is over the hill, he means he lives over the hill from us. He is not in any way insulting the Tennessee Stud. He does feet. not <laughs> does not want his teeth readjusted again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> not to a six just, foot nine. <laughs> yeah, he just lives over the hill from us. Um, yeah, we. Uh, I actually almost became a professional wrestler in my youth. Um, I lived down the street from Dutch Mantell. Uh, oh, I and, love Dutch. And, and from Jarrett. Yeah, Jeff Jarrett. They lived right Jerry over the Jarrett, hill from Jerry yeah. Jarrett. And um, so, uh, but I went to my first wrestling. I was a martial artist. I'd been studying the martial arts for a couple of years. And I went to my first wrestling workout. And the guy said, let me show you how to throw a fake punch. And I went, no, I'm done. Because I was a yeah. purist. And, uh, you were a purist. I was a purist. Now, I probably would have had a better career if I'd gone into that and made a lot more money, but I also would be in a whole lot more pain than I am now. And I know what 30 years of comedy has done to me, so I can only yeah. imagine what that many years of wrestling would have done. Yeah, I, I, when, I, when I got out of wrestling, I had uh, seven concussions that I know about. Oh, wow. Uh, my wrists have been broken. Both my ankles have been broken. I got uh, ribs, fingers. 
I actually have had my ribs broken so many times on the right side that I've developed what's called pleurisy. Yes, I have scar it too. tissue that's on the back of your... And when I breathe, if I get to really coughing, I can feel those rubbing up and down on the inside of my ribs. Yeah, I have that too. I so. from years in uh, kickboxing. Yeah, uh, yeah. but um, the uh, <laughs> I'm like weekend at Bernie's now. They just prop me up next to a bus seat, give me a microphone, say, exactly. say something. Exactly. Well, let's take a real quick break for a word from our sponsor, BigfootSearchGear.com. Do you walk through the forest with an eye open for the unknown? Do you believe that Bigfoot is out there, somewhere? He may be hiding, but you don't have to. Let the world know you believe. Visit BigfootSearchGear.com for the largest collection of apparel and gifts for Bigfoot enthusiasts. Bigfoot t-shirts, hats, stickers, signs, and keychains as well as Sasquatch hot sauce. It'll make you howl like a Yeti. Go to BigfootSearchGear.com and enter promo code HILLBILLIES at checkout for 10% off. Free shipping to anywhere in the U.S. on orders over $25. BigfootSearchGear.com And we're back. Well, we are talking hey, hey. Steve Buckshot Hall, one of our compatriots at the uh, Redneck Comedy Bus Tour in Nashville. Now, if you guys have not been to the Redneck Comedy Bus Tour, we now have three locations. We are in our home uh, place of Nashville, where it all started. We're also up here in the Great Smoky Mountains with me and Boo Boo and Beggins. And then we've just opened in November in Branson, Missouri. And if you're going to be in any of those locations on vacation, you want to go check out a really fun comedy show, Go to TheRedneckBus.com for tickets. And the cool thing is there's no two shows alike. That's true. Because my show yeah, is not I was, like I was your gonna show. say, if anybody hears this podcast, not saying that you guys don't have people listening, but anybody that's, what I'm getting at is, but anybody that's rode my bus and seen my show, please make the trip up to Gatlinburg because I'm very competitive with my TripAdvisor reviews. And these guys uh, have just as many as I do. And I even haven't had a chance to see the show, but people come from Gatlinburg down to Nashville. Oh man, you got to see it. Raved about the Christmas lights, but these guys are dialed in. And if you've seen my show, uh, it, like you said, it's a completely different show, but you have to go see it. If they just got, I believe, number one, uh, tourist attraction or new business in Gatlinburg. We so did. these guys are killing it, uh, up there as well. Yeah, we did. Thank you very much. Yeah, we got, uh, back in July on pigeonforge.com, we were voted by, the tourists, uh, number one tour company and number one new company for 2020. Yep. yep. So we're really the great. tourists, the tourists, uh, as you know, as entertainers, for some reason, most of them are just looking for a reason to buy, write a bad review. Oh, so yeah. when you get voted by the tourists, uh, there ain't no middleman. That's you and the experience they got. So you guys are killing it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank and, you. The, and the thing with the whole company overall is the people that buy pay hard they work hard they have hard jobs hard-earned money and they'll yeah. pay that honest money to buy a, a ticket to get on that bus and they've already been yeah. on that bus two or three times and i tell people people vote with their wallet yep yep and that's, that's yep. probably about as big a compliment as we can get is people that come back over and over yeah and you know that i'll tell you what i'll tell you what this is this is me bragging just a little bit but it's a moment i need to share 
my uh about three weeks ago talk about why we do this or sometimes we don't maybe see why we do it and then it's revealed i got an email that was sent to richmond somebody left me a great review and then they sent an email he sent it to me and uh it was a mom and a dad who had lost their son to suicide like a year and a half or two years before they had seen me on the bus they wrote a great review and then they got home and wrote him an email and said we hadn't laughed in two years when we decided to get out of town and try to start having fun again and buckshot and gill taught us how to laugh again we hadn't laughed that hard in two years and we just wanted to write you a personal email to let you know about that i know you guys have had so similar experiences whether you know it or not up there oh yeah but uh but uh man that's i walk away from it i go you know what that's why i do it and oh by the way i get paid yeah years ago when i was performing at one of the theaters up here in the smokies this lady walked up to uh, to me in the in the lobby before the show, and she said, "I just want you to know you're really good at what you do." And I said, "Well, thank you, dear. I appreciate that." She said, "I watch your show every day, and it never gets old." And I said, "Wow, I like my show, but even I don't watch it every day, and I yeah. have to do it every day." She said, "Well, my son has special needs, and he can't go a day without watching your show." Yeah. And I said, "Well, is he here?" She said, "Yeah. Tonight's his thirty sixth birthday." And and uh, we're here celebrating it. This is where he wanted to come. So I went down and <clears throat> said, well, take me to meet him. So she took me down to the front row. And that boy saw me. He lit up like the 4th of July. He was nonverbal. He couldn't speak. He was yeah. like a two-year-old. But he hugged my neck. And, and I had been really struggling at that point in my life with a crisis of, am I where I'm supposed to be doing what I'm supposed yeah. to do? And all of a sudden that happened, and I said, well, message received, loud yeah. and clear. Yeah, 100%. You know what's cool about moments like that that I've often thought of with these this couple that was on my bus or the moment that you shared? It's crazy to think that I'm a redneck comic riding around drinking beer on a school bus, and I just gave somebody something that a billionaire couldn't give them. That's right. You know, and not to be religious or not to be, you know, but that's kind of like that gift, you know, that stuff that money can't buy mm-hmm. that you get and you can give and receive for, for somebody to take away from my show something that if, it, if, if, if it had to be bought there, it's, they couldn't have paid for it. That's right. You know, and a, and a lot of those people struggle. They've been through counseling. They've been through everything else and dude, they couldn't buy it. They couldn't buy their way out of it. There was a moment and a message and all that. So. Yeah, that's the I'm, absolute I'm running truth, for man. president, 2024. I could use your vote. And that's what we. That's why we do what we do. I mean, it yep. really is. And and you're right. It, it, it people people may poo poo what we do and think it's not that important, but to that one person, just every yeah. once in a while, it's vitally important. Yeah, and when somebody leaves you with a great experience like that, and then they take that into their world. And the next time they see somebody that maybe didn't approach them because they were always not laughing or they were always sad or they see somebody in their life and they go, hey, let me tell you a joke or let me show you something I seen in Nashville. Yeah. That's the trickle down effect, right? Absolutely. So. Absolutely. That is really cool. So if you had to describe your humor, your show, how, how would you describe it? I would describe my humor. Uh, I'm a little bit more... Um, Kind of, I talk about the world that goes by the window. You guys know as tour guys, you, we got our, you know, um, certain points and things we got to talk about and stuff we want to show and, and highlight the city. But 
when people get on my bus, I, I, I feel like they're sitting in my living room. And uh, I've, I've never done a scripted show. In fact, you asked me when I started. Here's here's learning how to do this real quick. Uh, when I got into stand-up, my dad says, man, you're up there working without a net. Like, you don't have a band up there. You don't have nothing. It's just you. And when we started working on the bus, you get on the bus, they shut that door. We're doing two hours. You know, most comics do 45 minutes. So we're doing two hours and there ain't no curtain that we can say, all right, we're going to jump out of here 10 minutes early because this ain't working. <laughs> nope. This is like the, the ultimate without the net. Right. So uh, when I, when I get the people on the bus, I feel like if I get scripted or if I start where they can tell it's routine, I turn into small, small world at Disney, you know, then, then it's not going to be real. And so, uh, and we, you know, we do, our stuff is kind of like, you know, I wouldn't say it's PG maybe. And if we get, you know, we get a, a late night crowd or a later in the day crowd and they're all older couples or they're, you know, then my, my show changed a little bit, but my dad always said, you don't have to be dirty to be funny. And it was an old red skeleton deal. And, uh, I, I promised myself when I very first started doing comedy, I'd never burn a kid's ears to get a laugh. So I, I gauged my crowd. If I got kids there, the parents will write reviews saying, man, we had a blast. We had the kids. We had ages six to 60 and everybody had fun. That's really my goal. Yeah. A hundred percent. Plus, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm was born up North, but I'm from the South and, you know, you put women on my bus. I can't get too crazy because it's not how you talk in front of lady. So, well, you know, it's funny. I actually have a, a thing I do in, in my tour where I, and I, I'm not being vulgar. It's, it's, it's historic fact. That moonshine, moonshine up here in the Smokies was not called moonshine, white lightning, Mountain Dew. None of those names. The the colloquial name for it here in the Smokies was Panther Piss. There you go. And if I have only adults on the bus, I'll tell that. But if I have children on the bus, I say they called it Panther PP, but they didn't yeah. say PP. But it started with a P. <laughs> well, I actually got several good reviews <laughs> where the yeah. parents said I could tell he cleaned up the historic information he had to tell because my kids were on the bus and I appreciated that. I mean, you know, that's the thing is it's like, I, I've seen comics that'll say things that it's like, you know, just cause you thought that was funny. Doesn't need, maybe it means everybody else thinks it was. Exactly. You and, the uh, and they get, they get to believe in their own hype and they're going to force a joke, whether, whether it's going to work or not. Cause it's their baby. Right. So yeah. I got, I got, I got a chance. My, my father was the ultimate showman. And I got to, I got to stand, uh, for 40 years to the side of the stage and watch him do what he did. And, um, yeah, I, 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 when I got up and did my first open mic, it was a competition. There was 20 comics and I took second and the guy told me he'd give me first, but everybody would have killed him because it was my first time ever on stage hmm. in all, in all fairness. I didn't just get up and I could do this. No. I got to sit and watch it done for 40 years. Well, and so, we're going to talk about that when we come back from our break. From another word from our sponsor, uh, coffeeandsugar.com. And today's episode is brought to you by coffeeandsugar.com. That's K A W F E E A N D S U G A R, coffeeandsugar.com. Home of Granny's Hillbilly Coffee, some of the best coffee you'll ever drink. If you use promo code HOLLER at checkout, you'll save 15% off orders of $29 or more. Visit coffeeandsugar.com and tell them the hillbillies in the holler sent you. 
And we're back. Well, we're talking with Steve Buckshot Hall from the Redneck Comedy Bus Tour in Nashville. And he's made several uh, references, as we've talked about uh, his career, to his father and his father's career. So a lot of y'all probably sitting out there wondering, well, who was his father? Well, hey, his, me too. His father had the... <laughs> the man that raised him used to take that a lot, yeah. Boy, kind of looks like the UPS man. That's it. That's no, uh, it. But if if you're at all a fan of, of Nashville, the Nashville Network or anything, you've heard the name Steve Hall before, but it didn't have Buckshot in the middle of it because you were you're named after your father, who was Steve Hall, the puppeteer behind. Shotgun Red. Shotgun Red. <laughs> yes, that's, that's 100% totally uh, Buckshot Red is my character name. And a lot of people, you know, Buckshot was actually a name my dad gave me, and when they very first asked Shotgun if he had any kids at home, he said, I got Slingshot, Buckshot, and a little BB on the way. <laughs> and and uh, right. that was it. It stuck. So I've been Buckshot my whole life. My dad used to actually, for a while, he sold Buckshot dolls. So I ended up getting Buckshot tattooed on my forearm after my first year on the bus, and it was crazy because people were like, man, you really like your job. I go, I go, you think I got my whole forearm tattooed buckshot because of my one year with my company? No. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, but anyway, that's where the name came from. And, and, uh, well, I'll get into more about all that in a second. Well, yeah, your dad was a lot. I mean, he and I have something in common, at least, that we both made our living with puppets, although I was a ventriloquist and he was not. He just, he. He was a puppeteer, but he worked with yeah. the puppet. And he was like Jim Henson. He could sit with the puppet in his lap, do the voice, move his lips, and nobody gave a care. Probably yeah. upside down in all hey, kinds of positions. Well, he too. did, too. When he was yeah, on uh, Nashville Now, he was up under the desk. But he also yeah. did shows where he just sat on stage with Buckshot. And just like Jim Henson used to do with 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 uh, Kermit, he would talk for him and then talk to him. And yeah. his, his mouth's moving the whole time. But nobody cared because they loved that character so much they bought it. Yeah, my dad uh, said there's ventriloquists, and then he's a personal proctologist. <laughs> and you know, how, you know, you want to hear something crazy? Two things I'm going to tell you about Red, real quick. It's weird that people thought he was so real, and he, and he was. But people would ask me, "Hey, when you, you know, when you guys get home and stuff, does your dad ever get Red out?" And like, I'm like, "When and do what? Like and have do dinner? What? Exactly." <laughs> what, what are you asking me here? You know, as I got older, the question got weirder, right? Yeah, but, my, uh, my kids got but, the same thing and they'd go, yeah. no, actually when we're at home, I kind of forget that what he does for a living. Yeah. You know, the puppet as, as a puppeteer and, and, um, uh, people that are not puppeteers, they can still appreciate what I'm about to tell you, whether it's trying to keep beat with your hands or whatever. My dad would lay underneath Ralph's desk who we just lost, by the way, yeah. God rest his soul. And, um, but my dad would be underneath the desk and he's holding the puppet straight above his head. So, you know, the camera's getting a shot of red popping up from behind the desk. But my dad is watching the people on the couch and he's watching Ralph and Rhett and he's watching it on a monitor in front of me, in front of him. So even though he's under the desk, he can look at the monitor, but here's the deal. He's seeing what the crowd sees. So everything he does with red above his head is completely in reverse. Right. When he's on stage, it's normal. But when he's doing it under the desk, he's doing everything in reverse in real time. He used to fly RC remote controls and helicopters and all kinds of stuff. And for whatever reason, he was also a drummer. 
my dad started out as a drummer and he was a drummer for 10 years before he got out in front of the drums and started fronting the band. But I always thought that was so incredible. He could watch the monitor and it, you know, it's like, it's like me trying to clip my necklace in the mirror. I'd be there for an hour trying to do it, you know? Yeah. Well, but, you know, that's the thing. Puppeteers, uh, drummers make great puppeteers and ventriloquists because it's all about rhythm. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. And yeah. he just hit a man. You talk about his, uh, his RC car and plane obsession, but that's how he found shotgun. Red. That's right. He was, uh, um, man, if I ever do a podcast, I'm hiring you guys. You're good on segways and everything. Uh, cause I get to talk him. Yes. My dad, we lived, I was born in Crosby, Minnesota. My dad was born in Iowa, but graduated naked Minnesota. And, uh, my dad started a little band in high school. And then, uh, he started traveling with his own band, met my mother in, uh, uh, Michigan. And she had, uh, my sister and my brother, she had two kids. My dad, 24 years old, uh, took on that role. They got back to Brainerd, Minnesota. My dad's playing around all the nightclubs and, uh, they were doing a one weekend. They were doing like a big festival downtown and there was a pet and hobby store where my dad, like you said, would go in there and buy his remote controls and stuff. And on the back shelf in the back of this pet and hobby store was this, shotgun red like a it was almost i, I almost want to say it was like huckleberry finn and my dad put a cowboy hat on the puppet yeah um, your dad said he had a floppy hat a big flat brim floppy hat to begin yeah. with and he and, didn't uh, like that the he shirt and the, the cowboy hats my brothers the shirt and the pants i think they're my pants and my brother's shirt and then the boots so the whole shotgun red the whole character uh was dressed with our clothes that my dad just found laying around Dude, and, uh, I got to tell you, I was a ventriloquist before I became a father, and I had dummy clothes that became my children's clothes and then yeah. became dummy clothes again. Yeah. <laughs> I had this leather jacket that my dummy used to wear. When my boys got old enough to wear it, I put them on it, put it on them, and then when they outgrew it, I put it back on the dummy. But now it had actual <laughs> wear. You owned it. You owned it. It's painful. It had, it had wear. It looked good, you know? It looked like yeah. it had been really used. That's awesome. Yeah, that's what... Uh, And then... Long story short, my dad got into a Battle of the Bands competition, won that, got to come to Nashville, TPAC, Tennessee Performing Arts Center. Uh, there was a lady there that seen my dad's show, brought Red over to, uh, and, and, and there's, there's more to the story, but the, my dad thought he had an audition and the lady was just no, trying they, to get him on the show. They crashed they no the show. <laughs> and, and uh, I, and I, when I was a kid, I used to watch that show every, cause I was living in Hendersonville just outside yeah. of Nashville. And we, I'd get up every morning and watch the Ralph Emery show while I was getting ready for school. Yeah. I used to watch yep. the, the Judds before anybody knew who they were. Uh, saw yeah. your dad saw, uh, the, the, they used to do the, the chalk throwing competition where they throw the chalk across the studio, try to catch yeah. it in their blazer pockets. They, they, uh, you know, my dad, when he get, when he first developed shotgun, right, he was real nervous on stage telling jokes. And it's really weird because my dad said, Early on, he used Shotgun Red as the foil. Like, if the joke didn't work or it bombed, it was the puppet that, that bombed, not him. And it was kind of funny because when when uh, when he first met Ralph, Ralph came up into the crowd and said, how does that work? Which is a weird question to ask, you know? Yeah. And uh, Red looked at Ralph and he said, Ralph, I went to that same garage sale. I don't think anybody's going to buy that suit. <laughs> And Ralph said, I got to have that. And he said, uh, you know, and, and Ralph Emery, who, like I said, we just lost a couple days ago. Yeah. Um, uh, 
Ralph, my dad used to say about every home we ever lived in, this is the house that Ralph built. And we were living in a single wide trailer downtown, middle of Brainerd, Minnesota. It would frost up in the closets in the wintertime. And my dad was working six nights a week in bars, fighting with club owners, pulling musical equipment in and out of trailers, 20 below. And, and Ralph just said, you know, and, and my dad would have walked through hell and back for Ralph. And, uh, and was probably one of the first ones to meet him a couple nights ago. But I, I, we owe everything, everything, everything to Ralph Emery. He, uh, he called me the day my dad passed away and, uh, he said, you know, what do you want me to tell the news? What do you want me to say? And I hadn't talked to Ralph in 10 years and he called me by my nickname when I answered the phone. Yeah. Like he just, he was the real deal. And, uh, yeah, we owe everything to Ralph, but he changed. We came from Nash. We came from Minnesota via uh, Branson. We were in Branson for two years. My dad had a theater there, and then we finally came to Nashville, and they put my dad on the General Jackson showboat. And uh, but one hundred and ten percent, if Ralph's having a bad day that morning and says, oh, "I don't want to go up there and look at that puppet," the, we're not on this phone call right now. So that's it. Yeah, yeah. Well, the great Ralph Emery. Yeah, he just passed away. Uh, and he uh, he did a lot for a lot of people in music business and, uh, yeah. and comedy. And uh, he, uh, of course, had been retired for quite a few years. He was 80, 88, 88 I believe. Yeah. yeah. And uh, but yeah, I tell you what, he uh, he was a, a he, one of those people in Nashville who never sang a note, but yeah, a big part of the business. He heard a bunch of them. He sure did. Uh, yeah. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, in 2019, when they had my dad's memorial here in Nashville, Ralph showed up. Uh, nobody had seen Ralph in a while, and he didn't look in good health then. And uh, and he showed up to do my dad's memorial. And then he called me. Uh, actually, uh, it's a lie. I called him about a year later, and I said, I want to, you know, Ralph got inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame. Yes. And I said, I want to get my dad in there. He was your co host, this, this, and this. And Ralph said, he deserves to be in there. He goes, I'm going to make some phone calls. And we're going to get him into the Country Music Hall of Fame. Well, two months later, COVID hit. Everybody at the Hall of Fame shut down. And uh, and I got back with Ralph. We were going to get back on it. The lady we were talking with took a job with um, a different – just one thing after the other. And then, uh, and then, of course, now Ralph has passed away. So it still hasn't and happened. It still hasn't happened, but – Well, we uh, have a new project. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. We'll, let's let's yes. get a letter-writing campaign started. Man, I tell you what, um, I've met so many great people uh, and and uh, over at the Opry, and uh, I just wanted to share this, take 30 seconds, because I know it's going to be news that's going to go out over the radio. Uh, Tom T. Hall. They released a thing last night or the night before that when he passed away, that the medical the medical examiner here in Davidson County determined it was a suicide. Oh, no. So uh, here's what I want to tell everybody that reads that story, because this part's not in that story. His wife, I would stay with them every fall. They uh, they had basset hounds. and They would run a Halloween deal, and they would have a big haunted house, and I would work at the haunted house, and we'd raise money for the basset hound rescue. And they had about six of them that were at their house. And I would go and spend a week or two weeks. There was a bedroom upstairs in Tom T. Hall and Miss Dixie's house. And I would stay there with them and hang out and, and eat breakfast with them. And it, it was, it was like I was their son, but not, not that intense. But I, that's, I mean, I just hung out, watched TV, went to the grocery store with them. He was absolutely 
in love, insanely in love for how many years? 50, 60 years with Miss Dixie. And she, she recently passed away maybe four or five years ago. And I'm not making anything, uh, I'm not sitting here saying anything's right or not right about how you exit this world, but that man absolutely missed her beyond measure. So kind of one of those things of love, I guess, but, uh, he's going to be super, super, uh, super missed. But I kind of thought it was funny because I texted my last night and said, well, he left everybody with another story. So yeah, the storyteller, he was a great storyteller. Yeah, he was the best. Well, Buckshot, thank you so much for spending some time with us. And uh, Oh, my God, it's an absolute pleasure. We're uh, real, real excited to get this out and uh, let folks hear it and uh, know a little bit more about you and about your dad and, and just everything. So thank you so much. We want to thank everybody for listening and for your, uh, you know, taking time out of your busy podcasting schedule to listen to our podcast. You know, everybody has a podcast these days, and we're the last knuckleheads to the party, but you're still listening, and we appreciate that. Thanks for supporting our sponsors, BigfootSearchGear.com and CoffeeAndSugar.com. And where can they find Buckshot in Nashville? On the Redneck Comedy Bus at TheRedneckBus.com. And also it's Zanies on February the 7th. Yeah. Uh, that's 2022 for anybody listening to this in the archives. Now, uh, also, uh, send us emails at MeetBuford at gmail.com if you've got questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes. You can follow us on social media at Hillbillies in the Holler, at Moonshiner's Life for Biggins, and at Meet Buford for me on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, all of those things. And uh, also, you can follow the Redneck Bus on Facebook. And uh, let's see, what else is there? When you can't hide behind the curtain, hit the accelerator. There you go. <laughs> so... In the meantime, I'm Buford. I'm Boo Boo. And I'm so happy I'm not Biggins, I'm Buckshot. <laughs> Y'all be good to each other. You've been listening to Three Hillbillies on a Couch, live from downtown Boogertown. You can follow us on social media at Hillbillies in the Holler, at Moonshiner's Life, and at Meet Buford. Y'all come back now.